Welcome, Rabotai. We are continuing our study of Mesilat Yesharim in the second perek that talks about Zehirut. Says the Mesilat Yesharim, Ve'ulam inezot be'emet. He says, this is in truth Ahat, one of Mitahbulot Hayetzerarat is one of the strategies of the Yetzirara, the Ormato. Two things. He has a strategy and he is Ormato. Ormato means he, he tricks you. That's part of his uh, weapons, which means he has a strategy. You know, the word Tahbulot means strategy. But tahbulot comes from the word hebel. Hebel means a rope. When a person wants to make a very, very long connection from one place to the other, say so he takes a piece of a rope, it's not big enough. So he takes another piece of a rope and he ties it and he makes another piece and he ties it and he keeps tying the ropes in order to be able to get from one side to the other. That's why it's called strategy. Strategy is that you're able to take little pieces, tie them together, and be able to get from one end to the other. So it's called the tahbulat of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah has a long-term strategy. You have to know that. It's very important when you go into the war to know what your opponent is looking to capture. You'll make better decisions if you understand what's happening. The tahbulat of the Yetzirah, his end goal, he may be only fighting you in one small area, but he has a goal that is far-reaching and his work is to keep tying one rope after the other of your life until he gets you to the end goal. Very important to know that. The Yetzirah is not only interested in the current issue. The current issue is one of the pieces that are going to get him to his end goal. Let me tell you a little bit of an illusion that people have when it comes to the Yetzirah. If you would ask somebody, so you heard about the Yetzirah. By the way, the Yetzirah, you don't have to be very learned or very, very uh, educated to understand and to feel that inside of every person there is a certain power that is pulling us in the wrong way. We know many times in life when we want to do something right. There are many times you want to do the right thing. For example, you want to wake up to work. You want to wake up to pray. You want to work hard in school. You want to become you want to stop gambling. There are many times in life where people 
really have a strong desire to do the right thing. But they find it so hard and they're battling. But who are they battling? There's nobody on the other side. It's only them. When they wake up in the morning, there's nobody else. They're battling themselves. When they, stop, when they try to stop gambling, who are they battling? Nobody's pushing them to gamble. They're by themselves. They can't stop. That is the Yetzara. Any time in your life, when you tried to do something good and you felt there was a, a resistance, that's the Yetzara. That's just one example. There are many, 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 many types of Yetzara examples. But I'm just giving you an example that's obvious that there's something inside of us that pulls us the wrong way. Very often in life, our, our bad decisions don't emanate from others, just from within ourselves. The Yetzirah is a power that sits and resides within us. The Hawat Lavavot calls him one of our top advisors. He sits in the boardroom of all of our meetings. In the brain, there's a boardroom where we sit down to think about strategies of life. Should I go here? Should I not go here? Should I get married? Should I get married? To whom I should get married? How do I raise my children? How do I upgrade my life? Where do I? All these questions go into a boardroom where we sit down and we start thinking what we should be doing. And we consult with many different parts of us to see what makes sense. Says the Havot Levavot, in the boardroom where you're making all your key decisions in life, he has a seat, a very important seat. The Yetzirah is right there, sitting there and advising you about what you should be doing in life. Just to show you what an example of how ridiculous that is, it's equal of the top cabinet in the state of Israel that sits down to meet and the top advisor is pledging allegiance to Iran. That's their advice. Just imagine what his advice is going to be in their meaning. That is, that is the Yetzirah. So the Yetzirah is very, very clear to any human being who thinks for a minute, understands that there is a power inside of us that leads us to the bad and makes us have a hard time getting to the good. Now, if I would ask somebody, what is the job of the Yetzirah? What is his mission? What is he trying to achieve? Again, remember by the way, he's not someone bad. He's a malach that Hashem created. In fact, his creation makes our life a life worth living. Without the Yetzirah, it's a piece of cake. There's, there's, not, there's, there's no issue. No free choice. Everything is easy. We would be basically robotic. And basically all we would do is what Hashem, He coded in us to do and there would be no resistance. What is this Malach, this angel called the Yetzirah? 
what is his mission? When they gave him his marching orders, what is the goal of the Yetzirah? Most people would say the Yetzirah's job is to take away your spiritual success. He's there to make sure you don't do mitzvot. He's there to make sure you don't learn Torah. He makes sure that you're not going to do what's considered appropriate in the eyes of the Creator. That's his job. His job is to destroy you spiritually in exchange for giving up your spiritual success. What does he have to offer you? Anybody who's trying to get you away from something, he has to give you candy. He has to give you something else. In exchange for Olam in exchange for a great spiritual life, he's going to give you a great physical life. That's his job. Now, by the way, even if that was the case, it really is a very weak battle. Because eternity, a spiritual life equals something that's not physical, something that's eternal. It spiritual person doesn't stop to live when he physically this is God. Yes? That's why it says Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov Avinu never died. Not only Yaakov Avinu, anybody, anybody who has developed their spiritual side Spirituality, you can't see it because it's not bound by physical. Spirituality is something that it remains for eternity. A person who leaves this world physically, spiritually, if he made something of himself, continues forever. So the Ezra is exchanging Eternity, how long is eternity? How long is eternity? One time, one time a rabbi gave him a shout of how long eternity is. He said, imagine you go to a very large stadium and every thousand years a bird goes to the beach, takes one piece of sin, one grain of sin, and he puts it down in the stadium floor. How long will it take? To fill up the whole stadium with sin. So, it takes a very long time. Millions of years. Eternity is longer than that. Eternity is a very long time. So, comparing a pleasure of a few years to pleasure of eternity, it should be an easy losing battle. For the Yetzirah, we should, there should be no match. But, you know, the problem is that the physical world is in front of me. And somehow, I see the spiritual beyond me. I don't mean beyond me, by the way. Meaning I have to wait till Allah Abad. Because in reality, living a spiritual life, you don't have to wait for Allah Abad to be in Allah Abad. In reality, a person who lives a life of spirituality in this world 
is in Olam Abba before you get to Olam Abba. That's the way to prepare for Olam Abba. Is that you prepare yourself to live a spiritual life. So that the great life of spirituality is in this world. But the nature of spirituality is that it takes an investment. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. So it's not at the moment that you're going to get what you're shooting for. You're going to have to wait a day, a week, a month. So an investment requires a person to have patience and to see ahead. Whereas the momentary pleasures are right there in front of us. They're easy. So even though one pleasure is so much greater than the other pleasure, and it's so much more lasting than the other, but the reality is the other one is right in front of me, and the other one I have to wait a little bit. And you know, us humans, hard for us to wait for things. We want things today, we want things now. Especially in our society today, it's very hard to wait for something, to invest, to wait for pleasures when you can have something right now. So again, most people, they see that as the reality of the Yetzirah. His goal, his tahbulot, what's his end goal? What's his end rope? His end rope is that you lose your ulama That you live merely a physical existence. That you enjoy your food, you enjoy your drink, you enjoy your sleep, you enjoy your relationships, you enjoy your money, you enjoy olam That's what he wants. He wants to give you olam this world and its pleasures, in exchange for olam for spiritual living and eternal life. That is what most people view as the Yetzirah, which is a terrible mistake. It's a terrible mistake because the Yetzirah is called Ra. His creator called him Ra. Ra means bed. In bed, there isn't good. The Yetzirah is not looking to give you physical pleasures in exchange for spiritual pleasures. He may have to convince you that way in order to lure you away from the spiritual pleasures. He may have to offer you something physically pleasurable, but in reality, even that is part only of a rope. That's not the end goal, meaning if he got you to just live a physical existence without spirituality, that is not the end of the rope. That's still within the plan of where he's trying to get. His end goal is that you should be destroyed completely. For example, I'll give you an example. You have a young man. A young man, 15, 16 years old, yet said, I comes to him and says, listen, you need to start drinking. It's very sharp. It's very cool. You're going to be very socially accepted. You're going to look like a very ashu person in the eyes of people. You need to start 
living life with all those socially uh, high level people and it makes you also high, it's a good feeling. Uh, my recommendation to you is you start drinking. So this young man, he struggled. His father told him, He's struggling. His father told him, listen, don't do that. Not only his father told him, his rabbis told him, his uncles told him, his teachers told him. He's been hearing about it for a long time. He knows, he knows. Nobody that started drinking didn't hear the dangers of drinking. Nobody that started smoking didn't hear about the dangers of smoking. Nobody. Everybody, unless you're living somewhere in Siberia by yourself, okay, you heard about it, you've seen, you've understood. But it's a battle. On one end, they told me it's not good for me. Gambling, not good for me. I know. I know it's not good for me. On the other end, I can gain so much clout with this. Walking around with a cup of wine or vodka, smelling sharp. I'm going to get people attracted to me. Maybe I'm going to make a lot of money. If I put down a lot of money on something, I can make money quickly. I can turn, what do I have to work from 9 to 5 or from, from 8 to 6? I can turn my money 10 times over very quickly. It's very hard. I'm struggling. What happens to this person when he gets pulled after the Yetzirah? So now he says, you know what? I can't control myself. I'm having a drink. I have a drink. I'll do it once. I'm the old time. I'll do it once. What happens today? You look a month, two months, three months, six months later. You real all of a sudden, he got worse. From gambling once, he became a gambler. From drinking once, he became an alcoholic. Now he became his whole, his life physically became much more difficult. And if he continues on that path, he could end up completely destroying himself, even up to suicide. What is the end game of the Yetzirah? Your life destruction. Where death becomes your rest from your suffering. That's what suicide is. Suicide is a person who's in so much pain, not spiritually, he's in so much pain physically, that the only way he can relax, he has to take his life. And this is the story of not, unfortunately, not one person. I told you, I think last year I saw a statistic in America, just in the United States, one million people tried to commit suicide last year. A million people. You understand? That's a huge number of people that have gotten to the end of the rope. The Yetzirah is Ra. His goal isn't to trade physical good for spiritual, uh, spiritual good for physical good. That's not his goal. That might be the beginning of the rope. That might be his first rope. The most dangerous thing for the Yetzirah is that you stop becoming a spiritually sound person. Start learning wisdom. That's, that's the worst thing. Start learning Torah. Forget about it. That's a dagger in his heart. So, of course, spirituality is the first 
pieces of the rope. But then what happens? It starts to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the point he either destroys one part of your life or he destroys you completely. And it's in many matters. Even people driving. Today's the most interesting thing. Sometimes you see a light that's turning red. And really you have nowhere to go. You're not rushing anywhere. There's nothing pressing in your life. But some, for some reason, when you see the light turning red, you feel this, this urge that you have to make this light. All you're doing is waiting for the next light. Then you're going to stop short. It doesn't make any sense. But we all know that urge. We all have that urge. And then when you make the light, you feel, oh, I made it. As if you won a gold medal in the Olympics. Now, that was a risky move. Sometimes, going against the light is risky. Because you may have another guy waiting on the other hand. He's trying to time it green before it turns green. Many people have lost their lives from the move like that. I'm not talking about people on the street, but I'm myself. I know what this is. Very often, we speed in places that are dangerous. And we don't need to. It's not like we're taking someone to the hospital. We really have nowhere to go. Get there three minutes early and the guy's timing himself. Normal time, you get there 51 minutes. But if you go 100 miles per hour, you get there in 48 minutes. So, now you and I both know the 48 minutes he gets there, he has nothing to do. He waits around for hours doing nothing. But there seems to be this great accomplishment of three minutes earlier. I, got, I, I did it in 48. Oh, wow. 48? Never did it that fast. You're amazing. And you feel like so special. Not, all you did is put your life in danger. How many, how many accidents? People, there are so many people that die every year on the road. So many people that die on the road every year. Talking about in the world millions and millions of people that died through traffic accidents. The majority of those accidents were caused by driving that was not responsible. And really, there was no reason for it. There wasn't a drink to drink. There wasn't money on the other side. There wasn't anything special. All it is, is the Yetzara. He's trying to just destroy your life. Doesn't have to be something very pleasurable. So the next time you're driving and you feel this urge, that's the Yetzara. And if he asks, what is he trying to get me to enjoy? Nothing. There's nothing here. I understand the drink can get high. Gambling can make money. I get it. It's wrong. It's dangerous. I understand. What does he want from you? To go 100 miles per hour where any wrong move, you can destroy yourself. For what reason? 
You're going to the hospital to drive somebody. I get it. I'm not excusing you, but I get it. The Yetzirah is there everywhere. Every step of the way. I remember, I remember that I was in Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh, for a nephew's bar mitzvah going back maybe 14, 15 years. And there was another bar mitzvah of a close friend of mine who's actually here. And he invited me to speak Friday night at his son's bar mitzvah. Happened to be his son and his cousin were making bar mitzvahs at the same time. It was a very beautiful, they rented out the whole uh, the hotel uh, you know, ballroom. They had a few hundred people, family members. And I remember coming into the room and seeing grandpa and grandma sitting in a very special chair right in the center with all their hundreds of family members, their children, grandchildren, it's the cousin, beautiful. It's a great scene. So I walked in and I had something to say about the bar mitzvah boy and his cousin, which I knew. But I, I don't know why, I was overwhelmed by the scene of walking in and seeing the king and queen sitting at that table with all of their family and all of their hard work for so many years. Look what they have. I walked in and I couldn't control myself. So I said, I remember exactly what I said. I walked in and I said Shabbat Shalom to everybody. And I said, I want to tell you this story about two people. Two people came for, they got married some 60 years before. When they got married, there's a Yetzirah in the world, Baruch Hashem in our community. It became so normal, became so normal for most people that it's not really such a Yetzirah for us. But in the world at large, it's a Yetzirah. The average family has one child, one child, three dogs. And you could understand it. Children are headaches. You know what it takes. One child, just to raise him, take care of him. And that's just when he's little and he's still quiet. When he becomes a teenager, it becomes very difficult. And as he gets older, even more difficult. So you could understand people saying, listen, what are the headache? A dog? He comes to greet me at the door. He jumps on me when I come home. Did your teenager ever jump on you when you get home? Maybe he jumped at you. When was the last time your teenage son came to the door and said, Dad, I miss you. Gives you a hug. The dog, every time you walk in, he makes noise, he jumps, he claps. And whenever you want, take care of him. He's there for you. You want to take a break? He... Leaves you alone. Beautiful. What a wild life. As they say, man's best friend. Who could be? So you have a dog. Easy, nice life. You have a friend. You have a companion. Take care of him also. You do your hesed through your dog. Your hesed hours. You do it through, uh, through the dog. You take care of him. You walk him down the street. Make sure you change his diapers. The whole thing. So you can understand why people would not want to have children. It's a reality. So I said, this couple, 
60 years ago, the Yetzirah told him, listen, you want to enjoy your life or you want to have a hard life? Have a choice. That's what the, that's what the Yetzirah does to every couple. Again, our community, Baruch Hashem, we're so strong in this area that we don't really feel that. But even the community, there are, there might be some, 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 yeah, there are some cracks. He says to the couple, listen, you want to have a good life? This kid, going to come into your life, you're going to become a slave overnight. Right now, your time is yours. Your money is yours. Everything you want to do in your life, you're a free man. You want to go on vacation? You can go. You want to go out at night? You can go. Once this little guy comes, you become an Evid. You become a slave. Now you have to ask him permission before you go out. Because if he doesn't let you go out, you can't go out. He has, now you can't go on vacation. Now your money, you got to spend on him. You got to pay his bills now. You got to get a bigger house because of this gentleman. So it's a headache. Why don't you live your life more freely, more happily, independently, on your own? Beautiful. You know what? To a young person, to a young couple who's free, has their own money, has their own space, they like to do whatever they want to do, they get it. I say a lot of times people don't know what a child is. So they have a child, they don't realize how big of a headache is. But if they would know ahead of time, maybe they would think twice. But, okay. I said, this couple, they had a Yetzirah. You know, 60 years ago, maybe it was different than today. Should they have a child and make their hard life? Or should they not have children and live a happier life? I said, you know what? This couple, they saw in the Torah, it says, Peru Hashem tells us, listen, don't make these calculations. Don't think about what's better, what's easier. Don't make such calculations. Go ahead, have children as much as you can. That's the job. And that's what they did. I said, imagine today where they would be. Maybe then they thought, I have to follow the Torah. What should I do? I'd rather not have, but I am following the Torah. But I said, look, fast forward 30, 40, 50 years. Look what's going on. I says, where would they be today if they had no children? Where would they be today if they had their dogs with them? They'd be holed up in some condo in Florida. Nobody around, nobody take care of them. No one to enjoy. I said, the biggest pleasure of their life is all these people sitting here today. Each and every day of their life is full of pleasure because of all of you. Why? Because they didn't follow the logic of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah was looking actually to destroy them by giving them an argument that seems so logical, but in reality, destructive. He wanted to take away the happiness of so many years. How many smahot when a person is fortunate to have a child? You know, you got to pray that children. It's not, a, it's not an automatic. But those who are fortunate to have children, they add years to their life. Years of hats, all the smahot, all their children smahot, all the grandchildren, you get older. You don't have anything to enjoy, but you enjoy your family. Yeah, you add literally 40, 50, 60 years of your life. And that's only the beginning of it, there's more. 
again, the Yetzirah has one goal. The end of the rope of the Yetzirah is to destroy the person completely. Again, he will take you step by step. And as much as he can, he will keep adding another rope, another piece of the plant. He's never done with you. He's never saying, oh, okay, you know what? This guy is not keeping Shabbat. He's not eating kosher. He's not praying. Okay, you know what? I'm successful. Let me move on. It's not like that. Is an, there's always another piece to drive a person more down. And by the way, you see it. You see it all the time. You see people out. You look at them five years ago. They were somewhere. They made some bad decisions. Five years later, they're in a totally different place. And then five years later, could be they'll be in a totally different place. People change. People go down. They go up or they go down. Tahbulot. The Yitzhak has tahbulot. He has a strategy for you. Just remember, the fight isn't only about this. This fight is about this and is just an opener for the next fight that he's looking to fight you. You know, there was a story in Poland. In Poland, there was once an invasion of the Russian army on a border city in Poland. A small border town and the Russians invaded the town claiming that it was theirs, they wanted to take it, similar to what's happening today. So the, the leader of Poland got up and he announced to the Polish people that they're going to go to a full-scale war against the powerful Russian army. He says, and I know there are people who are wondering, why would I go to a full-scale war against the Russian army if they only won one small town? Yeah. Liptag. It was called Liptag. That's what I think. He says, people in Poland might be asking, why are we sending our children why are we sending our army against the powerful Russian army just for a small little town? All they want is a small little town. And you're going to go fight with your army against this town. He says, he says, when the Russians say Liptag, they really mean Warsaw. They say Liptag, but they mean Warsaw. They mean Poland. If they said leap day and they meant leap day, okay. So we lose one piece of Poland and we don't put our life at risk. But we know that they mean they want Poland. And that's just the first part of the rope. And that's why we have to go to war. You have to go to war because he never, the enemy here, never means only what he is saying. He doesn't only mean take a drink. 
It doesn't mean that. You might say, it's only for a drink. If you think it's only for a drink, then you may not realize to go out to war against it. When he says drink, he means AA. When he says take a puff, he means getting addicted. That's what he means. He's talking the language of today, but his tahbulat is focused on the end. There's a famous story, I'll end with this story. The Gemara brings a story in Masechet Nedarim. The Gemara says that Shimon Tzadik, he was a Kohen. The Gemara says he was a Kohen Gadol, and he would never eat from a Korban of a Nazir. When a Nazir brought a Korban to the Bet HaMikdash, he wouldn't eat from the Korban. He felt maybe that the Nazir, maybe, I guess maybe it was a fashion of the time to become a Nazir, to show people how extra religious you are and how pious you are. So people would take on extra things to show. So maybe he was suspicious that the person was not pure in his intentions when he was taking on more in his life. It's okay, by the way, in, for, for a person to take on extra piety. It is ex- it's okay, but it has to be pure. When it comes to doing the basics, you don't have to be pure. When it comes to the basics, when it comes to the basics, basic alakhat, Shabbat, Kashrut, Torah, Mitzvot, 613 mitzvot. Even if you're not pure, you do it. Because mitoch shelolishma, if you do it while you're not pure, it's going to bring you to lishma, you'll end up being pure. When it comes to pious things, meaning if you're doing things beyond the call of duty, yes, there you're not supposed to do it if you're not there. Don't fake it till you make it in piety. You could fake it till you make it in what's asked of you. To go beyond, you got to be there. Otherwise, you can't do it. One of the proofs to that is the Gemara in Masechet Prolim. We just learned this Gemara. The Gemara says, it was Mor Okva says, Mor Okva was a great man. And he says, me compared to my father, I'm like vinegar compared to good wine. Father's like good wine. I'm like vinegar compared to him. Why? He's my father between milk and meat. Right? He would wait after he ate meat 24 hours before he would eat cheese, before he drinks milk. And me, I only wait six hours. So I'm like vinegar compared to my father who's like Why? Doing unbelievable. Another story. Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel says, Me compared to Aisab, I'm not even close to Aisab in the way he honored his father. Because when I honor my, I go to my father, I go in my regular clothing. But Aisab, before he would go visit his father or do things for his father, he would put on Bignesh Shabbat, he would put on his best clothing. I'm not like him. I'm not even close to him. So they ask on these stories. I don't understand. You're agreeing that your father is wine compared to you and your vinegar. Right? So, 
Just do it. Go wait. All you have to do is not, it's not something you have to, you know, go to Shamayim to do. If you're agreeing that you're vinegar and he's wine, so why are you choosing to be vinegar? Next time you eat meat, wait 24 hours and you'll be wine like your father. What, what are you saying to? Oh, my father's a great man. I'm nowhere near him because I weigh only six. He weighs 24. So wait 24. And he's saying, oh, I'm not like Isaac. He put on his Shabbat clothing to, to honor his father. So put on your back clothing. What, what are you saying? Oh, those people are so great. They do this. So you could do it though. It's not like they spoke about something that wasn't his ability. Let's say they said, oh, he gave so much charity and you can't give charity because you don't have money. Okay, you can't do it. But in these cases, just do it. What, what are you saying? How great they are compared to you. And you could do it the same. Big question. The answer is, that when it comes to piety, when it comes to going beyond the letter of the law, if you're not that person, if you're not holding by that level, you can't fake it. You can't say, you know what? In order to become like my father, I'm going to do 24 hours too. Because you're not holding by 24 hours. You're holding by doing the right thing. You're not holding by being that extra level. So, okay, so just fake it so you'll get there. No, no. You don't fake piety. You don't fake extra. You've, you could fake what's needed to get to what you need to get. The extra, you have to be pure. It has to come from your own kedusha, your own desire to be that. Not just to follow and copy someone who's doing it. That's not the proper way. So I guess Shimon HaTzadik didn't want to eat from the Korbanot of the Nazir because he felt maybe they weren't so pure, he was suspicious. Fine. One time he says, I ate. What happened? He says he saw a guy come into the Beit HaMikdash and he's coming with his Korban and he sees him, you know, with the, by the, when, the, when, they, when they do the Nazirut, but after they have to go and shave their hair completely, shave. He saw this beautiful looking guy with beautiful hair coming to the Beit HaMikdash to bring a Korban Nazir. Shimon HaTzadik tells him, Beni, my son, he says, why would you do this to yourself? Such a beautiful person, such beautiful head, what are you doing? Why did you become a Nazir? He told him, let me tell you what happened to me. He says, I was once taking care of the sheep of my father, and I went by a pond of water. I looked in the pond, I guess they had no mirrors then. He looked in the pond, and he saw, I guess for the first time he saw his face. He realized how gorgeous he looks. Gorgeous looking guy. Beautiful face, beautiful hair. He says, He says, And my Yetzirah started to bring all kinds of thoughts into my mind. A good looking guy. Everyone looks at me, goes crazy for me. He says, I told my Yetzirah, he says, Rasha, he says, Rasha, he's talking to Yetzirah, what are you taking arrogance in a world that doesn't belong to you? <coughs> he says, I'm making a, a swear that I'm going to shave you, I'm going to shave you for Hashem. 
So I took upon myself to be a Nazir so I could shave my head, which is the source of Shem Shemayim. Shemayim, so they told him, ah, Every Nazir should be like you. Such pure tensions, and he ate from that Qurban. What's so special about this guy? And what's special about this guy? What was special about him is that all he did is have a moment of a, okay, he looked in the mirror, he saw how beautiful he was, and he had some thoughts of Yetzirah. Normal. But he realized that this was not the end of the ropes. He understood already. I mean, if it was going to end right then and there, they'll take care of the problem. Done. But he realized that this little piece of the rope right now that's bringing him these thoughts has, at the end of it, much more destruction, has arrogance, it has all types of terrible behavior. He understood that. It wasn't about leap tag. The answer I was talking about leap tag. But he's looking for also. He's looking to take completely over everything you have. And that's why he took such strong action. He was able to see the tahabulot. He was able to see the end game. Be careful when you make decisions to realize that the short term that the Yetzirah is looking to bring into your life has a lot more consequences than short term. When you make decisions in your life, every decision in your life, Whatever it might be, be careful you think of the long-term ramifications. Don't just think about having children today. Children today are a headache. That's today. But the long-term, without children, it's a very hard life. When you educate your children today, don't just think about today. People go to school, they decide, okay, I'm my kids at school, they're doing great, they're doing beautiful, my house is beautiful for today. They're little kids. Today they're five years old. They're four years old. They're six years old. You got to think when they're 18, when they're 20. You have to ask yourself, is my actions today, where are they taking my kids when they're 20 years old? When they're 22 years old? You can't think about now. Now everything is fine. It's a, what's the big deal? You give them a phone when they're, when they're seven, eight, nine years old. Hazakabaru, give them a smartphone. And you see they're enjoying themselves. They're having a good time. They're playing games. They're having cute conversations with their friends. Beautiful, great. Nothing happened. What's so bad? They're not committing suicide. What are they doing? But you got to think ahead where that's taking them. That's the little piece of the rope. The tahbulot is very far away. And the Yetzirah is already working it. In life, you must be aware of the tahbulot of the Yetzirah. When he's coming to take leaflet from you, make sure you know he's thinking more so. He's thinking much bigger than that. And when you know that, then obviously the strength to go and fight the battle is much more needed and much more appropriate and you'll be able to win. Have a wonderful day.